Welcome to Leading from Alignment, a weekly podcast from Converge Coaching, where our passion is to help you lead better, lead longer, and enjoy it more. Hello and welcome to another episode of Leading from Alignment with our uh, our ongoing conversation with uh, coach, mentor, leader, um, John Opaluski. John, thank you so much for coming and being a part of this again today. Jim, it's really good to be here with you. I, I keep hearing people say, hey, I heard that podcast. Hey, I heard that podcast. And I uh, it's it's satisfying, isn't it, to know that you know, what we're doing is actually benefiting people and scratching where they're itching. And, and uh, so I'm I'm so glad you came here to join us today because this is kind of a part two, a uh, continuation of our last one. We're talking about how to deal with difficult people. And this one we're going to talk about navigating the difficult conversations because not talking to difficult people just makes them more difficult <laughs> Right. sometimes. So um, take it away, John. Help us, help us navigate tough conversations with these people. So Jim, I'd kind of like to set it up by saying this. If you want to lead well, uh, for a long time, you have to figure out how to handle difficult conversations yeah. uh, with people. So in the last pod, we talked about how longevity in ministry requires a leader to make uh, tough people decisions and uh, have hard talks and, uh, you know, dealing with people who are dividing or boundary crashing uh, yeah. gossips, I guess, would be, you know, yeah. another category. Uh, square pegs and round holes, underperforming staff members, you name it, you name right? It. These are yeah. all yeah. Uh, opportunities for difficult uh, <laughs> conversations to opportunities. emerge. <laughs> yes. And I, yeah. I actually do look at it as an opportunity. Good. You know, I think it's a growth opportunity yeah. for a leader. So uh, today, I really wanted to just talk about six practical ideas to think about when it comes to actually having a tough conversation with somebody. I never got trained how to do this in, right. in college. I learned... I learned a lot of this in the business world, believe it or not. They taught us how to do this stuff. And uh, so it's not an exhaustive treatment on the subject, but just like more like a starter kit today. Yeah, right. And I think that's what we need. I think if it was an exhaustive conversation, we'd miss most of it. So I give us your wisdom. After all these years of leading organizations, uh, helping leaders, pastoring churches, youth ministries, senior pastor ministries, give us, give us six good things to help us along. So the first one when we're uh, having a conversation with some that we know is going to be difficult, I think is just to be curious. Hmm. Um, you know, when it's time for that talk, understand that you probably don't have all the facts. Right. I think I do when I, when I uh, size up a situation that yeah. I think, oh, I got to have a talk with somebody. I think I know all the facts. A lot of times I don't. So here's an idea to get that conversation started. I mean, there's many ways to do it, but uh, let's say the guy's name is Joe. Yeah. Uh, so, Joe, here's the issue as I see it. So I want to explain the issue from at a high level from my perspective. Help me understand it from your perspective. Um, so trying to understand their perspective doesn't necessarily mean I'm going to end up agreeing with it. Um, but people almost never change without first feeling understood. Right. So I think starting with humility and curiosity is really kind of the starting point. Stephen Covey says it this way, seek first to understand, right. then to be understood. And I think too, don't you, if you're the one being confronted, if you realize there's tensions or you don't, suddenly there's this leader saying, I wanna have a conversation with you. I think starting humbly, it cracks the ice, right? And versus, yes. hey, come in, step into my office and sit in the chair that's shorter than mine and let me point my finger at you. I think people don't wanna follow a leader like that. I, I don't want that in my life. and. I think that's bad leadership. But yeah, to I've say, a, help me understand you, to be a better leader to you. Yeah, I've had a couple of bosses like that who, yeah. who just uh, defaulted to yelling. 
Yeah. Not very much fun to work for. No. No. I was in the military, too. Yeah, I, I, I recognize that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's just like I, I have one more stripe than you do, and I'm screaming. That's why I'm in charge. Yeah. And I, it isn't the person I want to be when I grow up right. by any means. Good. Okay. Give us another one. So another one is to assume the best about the person. That's huge. On the other end yeah, of the difficult conversation. Yeah. And that's not easy to do. Uh, you know, so I, I try to start those conversations like this. Is it possible I'm not accurately interpreting what you said? Yeah. Or did. Um, you know, is there a chance that what you said or did wasn't intentional? Right. Um, or, you know, maybe even is their behavior symptomatic of something deeper right. or else that's going on in their life that I, I really uh, don't know about? So I, I'm not really uh, wired that way, Jim. My, yeah. my wiring is to think opposite of that. Yeah. So I really have to work hard at it. Um, you know, so like, for instance, let's say you're having a performance issue, and I know you've had to deal with some of those perhaps yeah sure as a lead pastor for 23 years (laughs) and been dealt with a few times too (laughs) um so i think one of the things to do is to assume well maybe i wasn't clear Mm -hmm. maybe they didn't understand what i wanted from them um you know did i write it out did i spell it out for them what i wanted them to do is it possible that they're not performing the way they need to because they really don't know yeah what i want Right, and that, I think that's the difference between um, a boss and maybe maybe it's the wrong word, but a father. I mm. think in the church we have a right to look at our leaders as more maternal or paternal than yeah. the military or the business world. I, I you know, that family, we're brothers, uh, yeah. spiritual fathers, elders. These these are all communal words, and I think I think if if a bo- if somebody thinks they're my boss and they just criticize my performance, it's it's harder to. F- I think at the end of every corrective conversation, I would rather feel loved than than vindicated. Yeah. I'd rather lose that conversation, if you will, and be loved by a father than to be vindicated. I was right, and you know what I mean. There's no yeah. there's no bond there. I yeah. I love that. So looking at them through the eyes of Christ and assuming, believing, you know, I, I've heard that First Corinthians talks about love always trusts. Yeah, there you uh, go. And I, and I I don't think that means you you get into business with everybody or it's unloving. Right. But I think there's a I think if you took that word trust and you broke it down as I I have a couple of times, one of the possible meanings of that is one always believes love always believes the best in someone. Right. They, they look for what's good in the person, not not pointing out what's evil. Yeah, and I think that's really the spirit behind this second the second point or the second stop. Yeah. I I I looked at your notes, so I know what the third one is, and I I think this is a missing key. For so many leaders. What, what's number three? So the, the third piece is for you as the leader to own your part of the problem. Yeah. Um, you know, and ask yourself this question. What, if anything, have you as a leader done or failed to do that may have contributed to the issue? Yeah. I, Jim, I would say in most relational issues or conflicts, the parties involved have each contributed in some way. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, uh, and I know some pastors may be listening to this, some leaders may be listening to this and objecting already. Yeah. You know, so let me explain a little bit more, I'll give you a little more detail. Maybe yeah. I can calm that ob- objection. So, so for example, let me give an example. If I'm a pastor who's refused to have hard conversations for weeks or months yeah. or years with this person, then I've contributed to the problem. Yes. My avoidance has caused part of the problem. If, if I've, as a leader, and this happens, sometimes leaders do this, if I go to other people with this problem, yeah as a means of avoidance, not trying to get counsel, but to vent. Yeah. I've, I've become part of the problem. Yeah. You know, if people are afraid of me to come with issues, 
maybe they know they haven't performed well and they want to come and yeah. fall on their sword, but if they're afraid of me, then I've contributed to the issue. So I think part of having difficult conversations is looking in the mirror yeah. and saying, what's my part in this? Yeah, It's hard to do. Yeah, but, but again, a, a humble leader, right, that cares about you, that's willing to say, I may be at fault here for yeah. not having addressed this earlier. I, I find that if I'm trying to resolve issues, the more humble I am. It, I heard somebody say, the first one of the cross wins. Mm. First, first one of the die wins in an argument. So yeah. get to that place where I'm going to accept my responsibility and, I, and I'm going to see you through the blood of Jesus. I'm going to believe in you as a future leader. And, you know, that it's easy to be corrected by that person or, you know, to have somebody say, you're a, you're a seven and I want you to be an eight. Now go be an eight right. you know, or you're fired. That's, that's a terrible way to treat people. Yeah. Yeah. What else do you got for us? Um, the fourth one is to listen. That sounds almost like I shouldn't have to say that. <laughs> but listen for real. Yeah. Uh, pastors are talkers, you know, and <laughs> I think we have a hard time listening sometimes. Um, but really listening to the other person in, on the other end of this conversation it helps. It, it helps you learn. Right. It, it communicates care. And I think it actually helps them listen better to you yeah. uh, when you listen to them. So what I mean by listening for real is acknowledging the other person's point of view. Yeah. Uh, that it exists right and that they have emotions attached to that point of view you may not agree with the point of view right uh, and and likely you won't but but just acknowledging that makes them feel valued makes them feel like at least they matter to you right and right. Uh, and so the listening aspect Jesus did that better than anybody yeah he knew how to tune out whatever else was going on and he could listen so well to to the individual and uh, in these kind of situations um to handle them well we have to be good listeners yeah yeah i, I think too however that resolves once you're listened to you're valued yes so even even at the end of that we disagree in the correction right you listened to me you didn't shut me down you didn't so right. i i feel again validated as a person even though maybe we're on different sides of the issue and i've seen that handled poorly jim oh yeah you know where where there hasn't been listening yeah <laughs> and and um and it just seems to make the problem worse yeah. where people aren't acknowledging each other's point of view the right to have their their everybody yeah. has a right to a point of view i have a right to disagree with that point of view but they have a right to the feelings attached to that and yeah. if i don't listen I think what I do is I, and I've seen this in family relationships as well as in uh, uh, churches. Yeah, uh, we pour kerosene on the problem, right? And it becomes worse. Yeah, uh, for uh, for us not doing that fourth. Did you do you see the well. movie uh, Mr. Rogers? I had I did not. Oh, he he takes the blame for everything in the world, and <laughs> and then from that place, people try to offend him. And he goes, well, that must be very difficult for you to, and he just cares. It's, it's a little creepy, but I, but yeah. I'm telling you, you, if you haven't, if you didn't love Mr. Rogers as his TV show, you watch that movie. It's like, man, I wish, I wish my dad, I wish my pastor, I wish mm. my coach would have had more of that in them. Okay. And we're, we, we're, our time's running out. So we got okay. numbers five and six. So number five, real quickly, share your perspective uh, clearly. Yeah. I think it's really important for you to express your feelings about the situation because you deserve to be heard as well. Yeah. Um, and, and this helps the other party understand you. Yeah. So seek first to understand, then to be understood. Yeah. So uh, in this step, I want to let that other person know what's important to me, why getting the situation resolved matters, yeah. and what the stakes are. 
if we don't right. get it resolved. And so I like to tell them as calmly as I can how their behavior is negatively impacting myself mm-hmm. or the church or uh, other people on the team and, and, and even, honestly, how it's impacting them. Yeah. Yeah, individually in a negative way. Right, and I, I think, like you're saying, there's you may not be the smartest guy in the room, but if you're the pastor, you, you're the guy that's responsible. You may not mm-hmm. be the wisest person in the room, but you're responsible. Yeah. You may not even know the right way to go, but you're responsible. So I, I love these first five because you really, it's a humble, I, I'm responsible. I'm, I'm standing not before you, I'm standing before God as I stand before you. And so I have to be humble here. I'm right. I'm standing before someone who knows everything and loves me anyway, so how can I, you know? So our last one, number six. Number six, um, and this is important, is articulating a way forward. Yeah. And, and Jim, by that, here's what I'm thinking, and I'm curious what you think about it. So based on the Bible, what's the proper behavior moving forward? Yeah. Um, explore that yeah. with them. Explore some options with them and commit to change on your part where yeah. you need to change. So if you've been if you've been uh, confusing about what you ask people to do, commit that that will change. I'm not. I'll be clear. Yeah. Moving forward, yeah. but then ask them to commit to change. Yeah. Uh, as well, and so the ball's in their court at that point. Yeah. And the question of the day is: Are they going to stay and work through the problem? Right. Or or not? Yeah. Or is the disagreement going to become so deep that it's almost like Paul and Barnabas, you know, in, in a yeah. way where. You just decide it's in the best interest for us to part company. Yeah. yeah. Um, so pastors have to, in my opinion, have to learn how to do this well. Yeah. Because um, you limit your leadership potential when you don't. Yeah. And I know some guys that are stuck as a leader because they just refuse to do this. Right. They don't. They they don't either have the know-how. They don't have the courage to do it. They don't have the energy to do it. They're tired. Right. But it's really a limiting factor. But you know, so you say the energy to do it, but it, but it doesn't it take less energy to do it well? Yes. Than than a higher and fire and higher and fire and confront oh, and, and avoid no doubt it. about it. Yeah, the, do it well, do it well, do it well the first time. Yeah. It takes less energy and less money. Yeah. To do it that way too. Well, they, they said that one of the most expensive things a company can do is hire somebody. I had to hire the wrong person. Oh, yeah. The training. It's expensive. The time. And we, as pastors, we're getting into people's lives. This is somebody's youth pastor or children's pastor or right. small group leader. Uh, people understand that it, it wasn't business to them. It, it wasn't leadership to them. It was their pastor. Right. And now he's gone because there was an unresolved conflict. You got it. Yeah. It, it costs more in the long term not to work out our issues. So yeah. thanks, John. I, I think those six are going to give us. I, I mean, I'd love for you to come back. And give us the next six because I, th- I don't like you said it's a good starter list. Yeah, and we're going to work on these and get good at them. But we're going to need, I think, more encouragement down the road to, okay. to come back to this in a month or two. All right, yeah, tell us a little bit about the, the next one that's coming up. Give well, us a teaser for the next. I'm kind of excited about this one. It's called yeah. the three most important things I learned in 2019. <laughs> so it's uh, it's really pers- this next one's personal. Right on. Um, a lot of learning comes through struggle, and uh, so. Uh, let me give you one thing just yeah. to whet your, whet yeah. your appetite yeah. for next, the next one. It's on the other side. Here's one of the things I learned in 2019. On, on the other side of what I fear, God has something amazing planned for me. Yeah. Once you break through the barrier. And we'll explain that yeah. in our next right podcast. Well, as always, thank you. We, we want to know more. We want to talk to you more. How do we get a hold of you? What's, what's the best uh, way to get The best way is to go to convergecoach.com and just say, contact us. There's a little uh, there's a little box, a little button that you can press, and uh, you give us your first name and your email address, and we can start a conversation together. Right on. 
Well, John, as always, thank you for your time. It's a pleasure, and I know you're, you're helping so many people. And until we meet again, join us next week on the podcast, and uh, we're praying for you, cheering for you. Have a great day. <laughs>